the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Yeah, here we are, people. All right, so we're going to sing a song because we're all Americans. Well, most of us. Some of us aren't Americans, but we're going to celebrate America, tomorrow, people. All the things we're gonna now we are. For all my, life. my husband's going to sing, too. To start again there he is. Look at him. Do I have to sing? Do I have sure. to sing on camera? Of course. <laughs> no, we're telling it's over. Anthony says, the flag still stands That's right. Freedom, and they can't take that away. Let's sing this loud, okay? Are you right? You proud to be American? And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the man who died, who gave that right to me. And I gladly stand up next to you. Yeah, I will. Uh, my Lee Greenwood song, by the way, just in case you didn't know that. Home free. <laughs> From the lakes of Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee. Volunteer state. Across the plains of Texas. Yeah, it is. Oh, from sea to shining sea. From Detroit down to Houston. Alright, sing it, people! That's right. Stand it up, people! That's right. And I'm proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And I won't forget the man who died Who gave that right to me And I'll gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Now we will. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. Yep. God bless the USA. Listen to those harmonies, man. Isn't that great? Ah, yeah, it is. And I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the man who died who gave that right to me. Defend her still today. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land. Yeah, I do. God bless the USA. That's right, people. You know, my dad is a, uh, a Korean War vet. By the way, Veterans Day is coming up in a few short days. And Abraham Lincoln said, Honor to the soldier and sailor everywhere who bravely bears his country's cause. Honor also to the citizen who cares for his brother in the field and serves as he best can 
the same cause. Yeah, you did. I can hardly hear you. What? Can you push, push your mic up closer to your face? Can you hear me now, people? <laughs> yeah. Don't have to. Kiss the microphone. I have to do that. Okay, I won't have to do that. <laughs> Oh, you guys probably think I've lost my mind, huh? It's a lot better. Okay. Anyway. All right. So welcome to the show, people. Glad you're here. <laughs> uh, I have to tell you, for the last number of hours, since this breaking news that the new president may be Joe Biden, I have been receiving text messages, emails, and phone calls from all you despondent folk out there. And uh, <laughs> part of me is laughing at that. Uh, part of me isn't laughing because I, I feel, I feel your pain, people. I do. I feel it, but I'm not feeling it because I really, <sighs> how do I say this? I'm not really all that surprised at this. And I feel complete peace in my heart and my spirit. Yeah, I do. And um, I actually feel a lot of joy, which you might have a hard time believing because so many of you are like, Rah! you're like totally mad. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm laughing at this. Uh, yeah, I am. So on a scale of 1 to 10, go ahead, weigh in. Let's let's emote, people. Share with me your heart, how you feeling. Uh, like 10 if you're feeling like, oh, I want to punch somebody in the face. Like you're really mad. And down toward the 1 on the light Kurt scale, if you're like, eh, whatever. We'll be able to get through this. Me? I'm actually... I don't know. I'm I'm a a two maybe, because <laughs> I'm this much humored by all of this. So uh, yeah. So Tracy, I see you and Anthony and uh, and Gina and Jonathan, Jana, Daryl, Kenny, somebody driver. I don't know who that is. No need for anger, no matter what. I'm at zero. It's all good. Jesus rules. All right, Anthony. Yeah, hey. You know, okay, so you probably noticed I'm wearing a hat, which is hard for me with all my hair. Just so you know, I pulled my hair back, and this hat is a little bit, it's not big enough, really, for my hair. So pardon how I look, you know. I kind of feel like I am should be getting up to bat or something, but my friend Tommy, Pastor Tommy Norman, gave me this hat, and I decided I would, I would wear it because, you know, it says, make America great again on it. Uh, and I did vote for President Trump. And let's forget, let's not forget, people. Donald is still our president right now. We still have a couple of months left. And, you know, do you seriously think he's going to back down on any of this? Uh, no, he's not going to back down. Uh, you know, and he, he's got some stuff going on. But, you know, ultimately, like I shared, like, uh, you'll never get that hat off. Well, anyway... Yeah, right? No, it's easy for me to take it off because it's kind of like, well, anyway, Donald Trump is not going to back down, people. Seriously, he's, he, is, he has stood up to the whole world. Why do you think the whole world doesn't like the guy? <sighs> but I tonight come to you bearing good news uh, because unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. Yeah. And the government shall be on his shoulders. And we should call him Wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, Almighty God. And his birthday, we're going to celebrate soon, although it was probably technically in September. 
Um, but anyway, Jesus is still in control and he's still God. And like I shared last night and I shared earlier in my daily disciples group today, I believe with everything in me that this now is one of the greatest opportunities that the church can have if we seize the moment, you know, because you know what, when you think about it, my friend L.A. Marzulli, he wrote a book called The Cosmic Chess Match. Yeah, he did. And on the front of it, it shows this chess match on the cover. Uh, but the, the point of his book is that there's a war, a heavenly war. There's a battle for your soul, right? There's a battle for your actual soul. Why? Because human beings were created in the image of God, male and female only. He created them. So male and female is the image that God, you know, we, we all have that, right? So there's, there's, there's a war for your soul. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm sure God has the tally of how many souls he won versus how many the devils won, you know, just saying. I mean, we, we tend to see like mass slaughter on the devil's side, but do we see mass conversion on God's side? In some, in some places, but here's the thing. The Christian church all throughout history has been persecuted from, from day one. I mean, Herod, blood, bloodthirsty guy of his time, he was so crazy that, you know, he wanted to wipe out Jesus as a, as a child. You know, that's why he said, hey, kill, two, kill the two-year-olds and under, because by the time the wise men and all those people showed up, Jesus was about two. And, uh, well, let's just say he didn't do it. You would think, you know, how hard can it be to kill little kids, right? I mean, seriously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Jesus slipped away out of that one. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny if you, if you actually think about the history and how Jesus came to us in the first place, it is absolutely, um, insane really when do you think about it? i mean it's it's the gospel is insane right there's a guy um um i'm trying to think of his name he wrote this book called the insanity of god he's been on our show what was his name randall you remember um the insanity of god is the name of the book oh yeah um google it anyway. yeah not his real name i'm trying to Nick, like, no, was it Nick something? Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to think of his... Nick uh, Ripkin, was that it? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, that's... Well, anyway, uh, he wrote this book the called The Insanity of God, which talks a lot about um, missions and going out and, and his experience on the mission field and all that. And you know what, you guys? Let's not forget that America, I, I, be, I believe this, America was founded... Uh, by religious Christian folk, okay? I know people don't like to like look at that, but... Just look at our government, okay? Yes, there were some deists and some masons, but but a large portion yeah. were biblical. But anyway, believers. so we were founded, and I believe God ordained America to bring the gospel to the rest of the world. And that's what we've done, right? We have gone in, our military has gone in and protected people and saved people. America's never been a nation to go and attack other countries and try to overtake another government, right? Alexander, <laughs> Alexander the Great did that. You know, he tried to come and, you know, conquer the whole world. But but America, by and large, 
we have been the world's savior, you know? And and so world's we're... World's police. Huh? World's police. Kind of. But bottom line is, America's great because we are a free country and we try to go and help other people be free. Meanwhile, though, however, there's always evildoers among us. Yeah, there are. And because uh, there's evildoers everywhere. And so people come in who are nefarious, evil doers, and they try to undermine the work of God. But here's the thing. God cannot be outdone. God totally rocks, you guys. I love the book of uh, Daniel. I love Daniel in particular because Nebuchadnezzar and all those guys, you know, they conspired against the godly and they set up laws that said, hey, if you go ahead and you pray, then uh, you're going to get thrown into a fire or a pit or something. And Daniel's like, whatever, I'm still going to do it. Yeah, I am. And you know that Daniel lived to be a very old man. He's one of the oldest. And I, don't, I believe he was not even martyred. All the times that they tried to kill him, they couldn't get him. Meanwhile, you have people like Jonah, who God is sending to his enemies. Jonah, I love Jonah because Jonah was so real and authentic. You know, we can learn a lot from him, from his honesty. He's like, you know, God, I ain't doing it. See ya. And he jumps on a boat, goes the other way. The boat starts going. <laughs> and the people on there know there's something wrong. There's somebody on this boat that God is upset with. wonder who it is. They figured it out that it was Jonah. And so Jonah's like, go ahead, throw me overboard. It'll, it'll all be okay. So they throw him overboard. And a big fish was ordained. Yeah, it was. Big, huge fish. Which, boy, that had to be a big fish. I don't even know how tall Jonah was. I mean, I'm 5'4", so I'm short. I, you can laugh. Okay, just saying. I don't know how tall Jonah. Let's say if he was 5'6". For some reason, I always picture Jonah to be short. Why, I don't know. But anyway, that's just in my head. So he goes. He gets swallowed by a big, huge fish. And then next thing you know, he's praying and dying. And then eventually he gets thrown up. You know, the fish is like, oh, I think I ate too much of this human being. And he throws him up on on the shore. And uh, the Ninevites are all freaking out because there's this guy that shows up and he's barfed up out of a big fish. Well, the Ninevites worshipped, you know, this god that was like a fish god. And so they were terrified. They wanted to go ahead and listen to this guy. So Jonah's like, Ugh, I'm going to go. I'm going to do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And so he decides he's going to go ahead and, and preach repentance to the Ninevites. So he does. Best evangelical sermon of the world. The whole nation repents. And the head of Nineveh says, everybody, cover your bodies, your animals, and everything in sackcloth and ashes. We're going to repent and, and hope that God relents and changes his mind and doesn't destroy us. And that's what they did. And sure enough, God did. God held back his judgment until I think it was something like 400 years later or something. But whatever. I don't know. I'm not a scholar. But Jonah got upset. He was upset. Here, this guy was, you know, he had the biggest conversion rate ever. And he got upset. <laughs> Because the Ninevites repented because they were his arch enemy and he didn't want anything good for his enemy. He wanted that. He wanted his enemy dead, man. Off with their heads. Kill them all. That's kind of basically what Jonah wanted. So Jonah goes ahead and he sits down and he starts sulking and basically says, you know what? I want to die. 
And God has this, he's so loving. He's like, don't worry, Jonah. I know it's hot. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to have a, a little plant grow over your head and keep you cool for a little bit. And overnight this thing grows, you know, and Jonah's, you know, all upset and everything. Ugh. Yeah, I want to die. I want to die. I really want to die. I'm going to die. I hate this. And then eventually God says to the worm, he appoints a worm and the worm goes ahead and it eats the thing and, and then it kills it. And then Jonah gets all upset because his plant is dead. The irony of it all. So Jonah's upset that his plant is dead and that he doesn't have any shade anymore. Um, but he wasn't upset that all these these Ninevites were basically on their way to hell. <laughs> he couldn't rejoice in the salvation of many. See any parallels in your own life? Hmm? Do you? Okay. Well, anyway, so long story short, the book ends by, by saying that God asked Jonah a question and, and there's silence. There's no answer. So why do I share all of that? Well, number one, because it's one of my favorite stories, but number two, because there are a lot uh, of parallels in our world today with that story. And I think that, you know, we have, um, how do I say this? Jonah was the sign of resurrection. And Jesus pointed back to that story and said, hey, you know, this wicked and perverse generation looks for a sign, but the sign that I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah, which was the sign of resurrection. Our country has gone through a lot. And the, the fact that we're a country, and we've been around 200 and something years, close to 250 years, is actually a miracle. Because if you study the, the, the history of countries and how long normal countries last, it's usually around 200 years. And that country's demolished, dead, implodes. It just, you know, goes down, goes off the rails. So America really is a blessed country. Um, in part, I think, because there are true believers in this country. So how should we respond to this? How should we respond to Joe Biden, president-elect, uh, winning this vote? How should we respond? Okay. I mean, because this is how it's being treated Number one, Donald Trump ain't no fool. He is not no fool. He isn't a fool. Okay. I just had to say that three different ways. He's not a fool. Donald Trump knows what he's doing. Uh, and the elite don't like Donald. Okay. They, they don't. They don't like him because he stepped in to kind of do some stuff. As I shared earlier, it is my conviction, however, that if, if the whole church has been praying and fasting and all these prophets have been doing all this stuff and blah, blah, um, then, then number one, we've exposed a lot of false prophets, haven't we? Because apparently they weren't right. And number two, uh, God, he is the one that puts people in positions of power. Whether or not it was a legit way of getting in power or not is irrelevant. God has allowed it to happen, which then means the church in America we are now in a position of great joy and power because now we have a great opportunity to believe and to stand up for what we believe in a culture that will go that way and go con completely contrary to what we believe morally and spiritually as followers of Jesus Christ. And that's a fact because 
once Joe Biden is sworn in and he starts passing all this legislation that he wants to, the Equality Act and a whole bunch of other stuff, your rights as a Christian, they're going to be tested. And maybe you and me will be in jail someday together. And you might think I'm being, uh, um, I'm not sure what the right word is. Dramatic. Dramatic, but I'm not. I know this stuff. Uh, I'm not. I, I have friends that have already spent time in jail for their biblical beliefs. Um, and Isaiah 520 says, hey, good is called evil. Evil is called good. Bitter is called sweet. Sweet is called bitter. And we are in that day and age. So it's nothing different than what the apostles went through. And the disciples went through when they were walking around the world and they were being persecuted because they were following Jesus and, and upholding his moral value. So here is the challenge. The challenge is how do we respond? Do we respond like mad? Like I already got like, pff, got some people sending me messages telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say Democrats are of the devil. Okay. I'm not going to do it because I know a lot of Democrats and none of them are of the devil. You know, every person was made in God's image and it's our job to love people. And maybe it's because I've been influenced by God's word a lot lately, but you know, one of the things in the love chapter is that love is not provoked and the enemy wants to provoke you and want, makes you want to lose your witness, your good witness. And you can't, you can't do that. Do you know how many times Jesus was provoked and how he responded? Quite a bit. I mean, the religious leaders of the day, they went head over heels a million times trying to provoke the Lord to do stuff, you know, and, and one of the biggest times when they tried to provoke Jesus was when they put him on trial. First of all, it was a kangaroo trial. He went through a couple of different trials at the same time. They were completely illegal trials, but Jesus stood there and he said not a word. And then he went to the cross and he did it because he loves us. And as followers of Jesus, the Bible says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might be persecuted, will be persecuted. So believe it, that's God's word. And having studied Christian persecution for quite a while now, what I can tell you is it begins with the government beginning to oppress you and take things away from you. And you got to make a choice. It might be financial. Might be your family you have to choose from. Might be a friend. Could be your freedom, your very freedom. I just got done talking to somebody who told me they're moving out of the country now because of this. And they were dead serious about it. So... Who will you serve? One of my favorite stories is the story of Elijah when he took on when he was on Mount Carmel and he took on the gods of Baal. And and he won. It was a no-brainer. That was one of the best battles in the Bible, by the way. It was one of the coolest stories ever. God did so many cool um story so many miracles in that in that story. But his the underlying message of that was who are you gonna serve? Are you going to serve the one true God? Or are you going to serve the idols, the wood, the stone? 
all that. Are you going to serve? Are you going to allow your emotions to serve how the media is trying to make you feel? Or are you going to let your emotions be comforted by God's word as you absorb his word and trust him? Did that hurt somebody right now? Just saying, I'm just trying, I'm not trying to hurt you, but, but a lot of my friends are like upset because you're, you're bathing in this acid of the news that's mostly lies and you're getting all mad because the media knows how to manipulate. Um, don't let them do it to you. Do not let them do that to you. Instead, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And allow God's word to renew your mind and to be remembered how much he loves you and how many people need to know him. That's super important. So there you have it. So let's see. We got some comments coming in here. I saw a comment on yesterday's show. Somebody said, she never reads comments. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I read comments. But sometimes you guys don't make any comments. So let me here scroll through here. Um. TR fun guy. No need for anger. No matter what, I'm at zero. It's all good. Jesus rules. And Gina says, gosh, I read the other day that a lot of his advisors were telling him to concede and back out peacefully. So I was wondering if he would or would fight. I'm hoping he will demand a new count. Yeah, I think Gina, I think I Donald Trump isn't going to give up. Are you kidding me? Um, he he's he he's not, you know, he's he isn't going to give up. Uh, I don't I don't worry about that. Um, when a winner is decided, I wonder about the multitude of those who wrongly prophesied either way, what happens to their self-image, ego, and reputations, any thoughts? Yeah. So that's a good question. And this is my thought on it. My thought is that, um, first of all, if, if you knew how many messages I get from people sending me all that crap, (laughs) You may be surprised. Uh, I get a lot of stuff. You guys love me, I know. But I get a lot of that stuff sent to me. And I'm like, you know what? The thing that bothers me, it's not that I don't believe the gift of prophecy is alive. And it's not that I don't believe that God can speak to people in dreams. I do. He does me. But I'm not going to go on the internet and declare boldly that God said this about me, blah, blah, blah. um, Because God's written word is right there. And and more and if you knew his written word, it's really easy to see some of this stuff anyway. You don't need somebody giving you these things. So people like Pat Robertson, bless his heart, and others, bless their hearts. I mean that in the nicest sweet southern way, not the mean southern way. Um I think they're misguided at best. Um and I think in some cases, some of these people are calculated and and their whole intention is to deceive and make money for themselves. Randall, what do you think? Well, lots of things on my mind. Go uh, ahead. You talk. I'm going to take a drink of water. This hat uh, is making me hot, man. First of all, <laughs> do, I look funny with this? do you guys like the hat should I, or should I take it off? My feet, uh, or do you think I'm being like antagonistic by wearing it? <laughs> um. First of all, prophecy, the, the main gift of prophecy is not foretelling future events, but telling forth the wonders of God. If we look at 
uh, second chapter of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the church, the first church there, the you know the the disciples, the apostles there, uh, you know when there was the the sound of the mighty rushing wind, all that, and and all the the visitors from different countries heard them speaking the wonderful works of God in their own languages, and Peter says this is a fulfillment of a prophecy was written in Joel chapter 2 and but they weren't telling about any future events they were just proclaiming the mighty works of God um, and Peter quotes a prophecy from Joel about you know, the moon turning to blood the sun is you know um, a sackcloth and etc none of that stuff was happening at the time so the only thing that fits that he says hey this is a fulfillment of that was prophesying you know that your your you know sons and daughters shall prophesy prophesy you know I should pour my prophesy yeah I will you pour up my it. spirit on all flesh pour blah, out blah, my blah. Spirit. right so so when right, I have when, to pick on you because you yeah, always pick on yeah, me when Peter says that you know this is a fulfillment of that yeah. prophecy it certain wasn't any signs in the heavens going on there wasn't you know the month soon the, the, the Moon wasn't turned to blood, so I'm not turned to cycle. Any, any other things? The only thing in that list that qualifies for fulfillment of prophecy is people prophesying, and they weren't talking about future events. They were just declaring the wonderful works of God. And wonderful, so I, the wonderful, the wonderful works yes, of Jesus. Yes, there are. I have the sim gone through my mind, and I can't remember the words. Anyway, but I do know what I'm trying to think. Yes, I do. I but I can't remember it. Sorry. Anything. My bad. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> the gift of prophecy still exists, <laughs> right. and and in the case of words of knowledge in particular situations, yes. But I believe uh, that the office of prophet with a capital P. That dealt with general revelation. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist was the last one. Right. That he was the last prophet with a capital P to tell, give a general revelation. That revelation was about Messiah is here. That's right. And the writer of Hebrews tells us that God, at various times in a sundry ways, spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, That's right, has spoken to Through us his by His son. son. That's right. There's, there's no need for any other. There's a man who knows the word. General Revelation. And so here's just our, our favorite uh, our favorite news outlet, Right Wing Right, right Wing Watch. Watch. Yeah. They've got an article uh, about one of these prophetesses. Okay. Cat uh, Carr. Um, Do they have pink hair by any chance? Yes. Oh, okay. So this was, uh, this was the prophet that my friend at Pickleball was telling me about. And I was like, pshaw. Yeah, stop listening to that person. But anyway. Um. All right, so I'm going to put this story up. Only okay. I'm not going to put it. I just turn the caption off. I'm gonna and I'm gonna turn you off on it just because I can. Okay. And a better grab. I could just read it, but it's more fun to. It's more fun to show it. Yeah. Right, people. Yeah. So nobody is weighing in on how you're feeling, huh? I see. I ask you a question and you don't even answer it. What kind of audience are you? Oh, you're talking to me. <laughs> All right. Talking to the people who are listening. So over on right, <laughs> rightwingwatch.org. Boy, that's hard to say. Is there, a, right is there actually a picture of her? 
Uh, there is if I take off the reader view, but okay, I'm gonna go look because I want to see what this person looks like. All right, so prophetess, prophetess Cat Carr scrambles to salvage her false elec election prophecies. Anyway, uh, since the moment President Donald Trump took office, various self-proclaimed prophets guaranteed that he would win re-election in 2020. <laughs> With it looking increasingly like that Trump will be defeated, okay, could be updated. Well, we're still not sure. Anyway. Skipping down, um, during an appearance on the Elijah Streams YouTube channel Wednesday, Kerr claimed that when God told her that Trump would win by a landslide, he really meant that examples of voter fraud will be slowly uncovered that will eventually turn <laughs> into a landslide of revelations that will secure the election for Trump. Okay. If, if you will remember, one of the things uh, God said to me was that Trump will win by a landslide, Kerr said. In their human mind, they already put together what they think that means. But many times, as we know in the Word or even just from experience ourselves, mm -hmm. especially as a prophet, that doesn't ever mean what man thinks it means. But yet, so so there's another prophecy that comes along that she has to reinterpret? Or how can we trust this one? Anyway, Curtis said a landslide begins when a few small stones strike and loosen larger stones. Stones, and that is exactly what will happen with the exposure of voter fraud. The thing God kept saying to me this morning, when you begin to feel the ground move, it means the landslide of exposure is about to begin. When Kurt, you feel the earth move under your feet. Mm, 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 mm. I forgot the word. And then he said it, it, will like start with, it will start with one phone call. Mm -hmm. Those who have been perpetrating the lie, they've been paid to commit lies or stealing or cheating, will begin to get very nervous. They're actually already nervous. And let me tell you, conviction is going to come upon some of them in the lower levels, and that's what he meant about the landslide. The smaller rocks move oh, first, really? which that's what pulls meant, the huh? bigger rocks down. <laughs> okay. And Good that's what he meant when he said Trump will win by a landslide. So there you go. That's hmm. the difference between revelation and what man in their hearts thinks that means. My brother. Um, anyway. So. Uh, anyway, it, it, it reminds me of. I'll say it, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, the many times, the return, the return of the Lord, you know, in, in 1914. And well, when we said return, that's, we didn't mean like physical on the earth return, but that meant was a, a spiritual return. And it's really going to, he's really coming back in 1934, you know, and then was it 34 or somewhere within 30 sometime. I remember the first one was 1914. And then in the 30s, it's like, did you think we said like physical return? We didn't mean when we said really return. We didn't mean physical return. It, it's it's a soft coming. It's it's beyond the spiritual coming. But he's kind of setting up shop. He's not really here yet. But he but he's more present than he was back in 1914 when it was just a spiritual arrival. It's kind of checking in and getting things ready for. And then and then they so they predicted the second coming in 40 something and then. And then they, I think after that, they just kind of swept all that under the rug and stopped making predictions. Um, By the way, Anthony says, thank you, Stacey and Randall. Excellent, thought-provoking, explanatory responses. Thanks. Thank you. You know what? That touches my heart, man. Yeah, it does. You know why? Because Randall and I have been doing this show for a long time, right? 
And we're not in, we're not, we're not sensationalists. We're not people who are like, please give us money. We need the money, but, <laughs> but we're not like going, Hey, you know, I'm going to send, send you your some- money. And now are they going to pull the plug? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> have a telephone Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, no. I don't know how people do that with a straight face. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, um, you know what? I know what it's like to not be saved. Right. And I know what it's like to need Jesus. And when Jesus came into my life and saved me from all my sin and saved me from like uh, even even more severe abuse than I had already gone through as a child. um, All I can say is that it it changed my heart forever. And I committed my life to Jesus. And I said that I was going to serve him the rest of my life no matter what. uh, Because he showed himself faithful and true. And, um, and then he called me into this work. I want to be a therapist. You guys, that was my dream. Took me 13 years to get through school and five years to earn all my hours. And then when I saw that field bow to the gay lobby, God called me out of it because I couldn't do it. I couldn't compromise. And I think that that is, um, you know, that is, unfortunately it's easy to compromise and, um, I'm not going to compromise. And do I want to go to jail or anything? No, I don't. But am I, am I an idiot? And do I not see the handwriting on the wall to see where things have been going for the last 30 years? Uh, no. Um, I actually sit here and I, and I, and I'm, there's a part of me that's like, okay, I've been yelling and screaming, jumping up and down forever. Fire, 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 fire. There's fire. Do you people not see the fire? And meanwhile, the snooze button has been hit constantly by the church sleeping because the church has been wrapped up in the affairs of the world and not doing what God has told her to do. And so I can't help but wonder if this is a this is a continual judgment from the Lord on our country, not necessarily his people, but on the country as a whole. I know I'm not the only one that sees that. And it makes me wonder, you know, that in the in the Jewish writings, Randall was it the Talmud that talked about the gay marriage being available in the land. I'm I'm not right sure. Be- before Noah happened at the time of Noah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I forgot what Jewish writing it was. But when the flood came in Noah's time, there were certain things that had taken place uh, and God had allowed the nations and it had given them over. And gay marriage was one of those things, right? We have so many national sins in this country that we as a nation have never repented of. Despite the fact that many in the church have, it hasn't happened from the national level. Okay, abortion is one of those things. That would be like child sacrifice, by the way. Um, and then we got gay marriage. We got the gay law. We got the homosexual lobby, which you guys know. I, I know a little bit about that. There's a whole marketing of homosexuality to America series on my YouTube page. You can look at that. But it's not just that. America is like one of the number one purveyors of pornography in the world. They, we export all that across the world. We're greedy. We're materialistic. Uh, you know, I mean, the list could go on. The, the, we're, we have all of it. Prideful. 
maybe not always in a good way. Divorce is rampant in the land. Children have no parents. Um, you know, we elevate animals above people. We elevate plants above people. We call the earth great and we call God stupid. I mean, you know, there, God is long suffering, <clears throat> but he's also very just. And if this is going to come to pass this way, then I see this as C.S. Lewis would say, as a very severe mercy. Because he's still giving us time to repent and come back to him. And, you know, one of the things that honestly breaks my heart is that we live in a nation that is completely biblically illiterate. Completely. When you when you have, you know, pollsters taking polls... And and the research is showing that about 4% of people who actually answer these questions actually exhibit a biblical worldview. When you have the Bible translated and easy access to the Word of God in the church, as well as outside the church, you know, but people aren't opening the Bible and reading it. This is this is why a nation spir- spirals down. And look at the Old Testament. Same thing. You know, they they had the law hidden. <laughs> I think it wasn't it Josiah that found it at one point and went, "Hey, what's this scroll thing?" And blew off the dust. Oh yeah, hey, we should tear down the idols here, <laughs> and let's get this thing back on track. Um, you know. I I respect some of the leading pastors in this country who've been trying to do the right thing. And I think God honors that. But I also think that we can't be fools to think that, that, uh, you know, if, if this is what God wants, then he loves us. And the Bible talks about, in Hebrews, it talks about how he disciplines his children. He disciplines those he loves. Otherwise, you're called a bastard. Right. And I know that sounds like a bad word, but it's actually in the Bible and and it's I've used it properly. Right. God chastens those he loves and he loves his people and he is purifying his church in America. And, you know, fortunately, God has withheld a lot of severe persecution for us. But if this comes to pass. You got to armor up and figure out, is this are you going to stand? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I've talked about this a long time ago when I told you years ago that Islam was going to come in in 2020. You know, that's kind of gone by the the wayside for a while. Well, what happens when you have to make a choice to wear a mask or not eat, you know, or to work and do something and you have to do all these things or you don't, you can't, you don't have a job. I think it was Jan Silvius that said something. I wrote it down recently. She said something to the effect of what is one worry that God cannot deal with that you have? I thought about that. I thought, you know, that's a good question, Jan. And, and, you know, the answer is there, there is no worry that God can't handle. There's nothing that God can't handle. It's whether or not we want it. We want God to handle it or not. You know, um, we tend to do what's right in our own eyes. 
Uh, I know I do. I'm guilty as charged. You know, I, I, I have a problem. And I'm, and I mean, right now I'm dealing with my own issue with my dad, you know, and dealing with assisted living because they're giving me these rules that I can't go in unless they, I get COVID tested. And I'm like, okay, well, that violates my conscience to bow to the government to have an unnecessary test so I can go see my dad. So what do I do? Do I bow to the government or do I listen to people who keep telling me you need to do this? If you really love your dad, you need to do this. I'm like, well, I really do love my dad and I'm not going to do it. Just so you know, you can't tell me that I don't love my dad. When I look and I know that there are trace acts that are in place to 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 set, set up to take my freedom away and quarantine me and do all this other stuff based on nothing based based on a whole bunch of lies let's put it that way so we're we're in a position it's very precarious we have to make a choice are we going to serve god or are we going to serve man are we going to serve the god of scripture or are we going to serve the god that they want us to serve which is the god of their imagination Right. The God that says, oh, yes, you're going to prosper. You're going to get wealthy. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Not not the gospel that says all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Hey, you can desire to live as a Christian or a churchgoer all you want and nothing will ever happen to you because there's no bearing fruit towards Christ at all. But if you desire to live godly and you desire to stand for what Jesus stood for, you get your cross because you know what? They killed him and they'll kill you too. And if you don't think I'm telling you the truth, I will tell you I'm telling you the truth because this the history of the church persecution has never been more than in our lifetime. And that's a fact. It's just that the media will not show you this, but it's happening. It's happening every single day. We have people who bear the name of Jesus Christ all over the world who believe the word of God that you say you believe, and they're dying for it. What makes you think that you're not going to get that opportunity, right? Now, that's tough. That's tough words, man. Nobody likes to hear that. I don't like to deliver it, but the truth it is, it's the truth. And the, and the reality is, is that none of us really know if God's going to call us to be a martyr at some point. There's a book that was written by, I think it was Marvin Newell. Uh, it's called A Martyr's Grace. And um, he, he wrote for Moody. For Moody. And uh, that book, I interviewed him a number of years ago when that book came out. But that whole book is all about martyrs who graduated from Moody Bible College. And um, the underlying theme was that the families found out that their loved ones were given, given the grace to die for Christ, you know, and it's not this figurative death. Oh, yes, I'm going to figuratively die for Jesus today. No, it's literal. These people are dead. You know, as Paul would say, they'd be absent from the body to be, is to be present with the Lord. They're with him now in glory, which is a good thing. But that momentary light affliction that we might have to go through if we really walk as daily disciples is a real thing. It's a very real thing. It's not a felt needs Christianity. We have a very real Christianity because we have a very real God who is living, not a fairy tale God. Have you read the Old Testament? 
Have you read the New Testament? I was listening to John today and um, the Gospel of John and just really struck by how much love Jesus had for people and how mean the religious people were. And see, that is where a big, a lot, a bit, a lot of the big fighting is going on. I went over to Twitter. I'm not going to say whose account it was because I don't want to give them any glory or credit. But somebody in radio was fighting with some other people in the church and basically bashing them, saying, it's all your fault this happened. You're a traitor. You did this. You did that and all that. And I'm like, you know what? Thank God he convicted me of that attitude years ago because that ain't going to win anybody to the Lord. In fact, it turns me off when brothers and sisters are beating the crap out of each other uh, for the whole world to see. The devil's like loving that. You know? Let me ask you something. Do you not think the devil knows what he's doing? Yeah, he does. He's not an idiot. Just like a snake sheds skin when he's near and shows signs that he's been around. What are the signs? I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be just who I am, because that's who I am, and I can't be anybody else. But I'm just going to be honest and tell you tell you some stuff that you, you may or may not want to hear. Um, yeah, it just went out of my head, people. But don't worry, we'll come back, because I got sidetracked. <laughs> that happens when you're in your 50s. Listen, what was that I was going to tell you? Randall put something on the screen that <laughs> sidetracked me. <laughs> it was not my intent. Okay, well, whatever. Anyway, what I will tell you is that there is, um, there, there are signs. <laughs> there are signs. And, uh. Snake skin, stuff like that. Yeah. You're just going to tell it like it is. So. Well, I, was, I am going to tell it like it is. That is that, you know, sometimes we like to entertain the snake instead of the Holy Spirit, you know. And, uh, you know, the devil ain't dumb. He, he hangs out in the church. In fact, read the New Testament in the temple. You know, there, was de- there were demon-possessed people in the temple. And then when Jesus came in, they're like, ah, there he is. He's out of here. You know, uh, God is not mocked. But anyway, you had something you wanted to say, right? It will come well, back to me. All right, well. It's this hat. This hat is, is causing me to forget stuff. <laughs> Take it off. No. Just um, kidding. You know, I just, just to even things out, and I'm not here to sow division. Yeah, you are. But, but, I knew yeah. it. Division in the house. But, you know, it, it's, it's funny. You know, there's people like, oh, I can't believe this. This is unprecedented. You know, in the presidential election, and it's not decided yet. And, yeah, <laughs> this and several others. Um, those under 30 might say, well, why can't the why can't the orange man, bad orange man, just accept the you know just accept the election results and you know concede? Well, they don't remember the election of two thousand, uh, which which happened on November seventh was election day in twenty in the year two thousand, and uh, the the Gore Bush race, 
and Gore conceded the election on no, oh no, December thirteenth. So you know that that drug on with the pregnant chads and dimpled chads and all that kind of stuff. Well, maybe they changed their, you know, it was punched for Bush, but you know it's it's dented, it's a dimpled on Gore. So maybe they changed their mind after the whoops wrong one and they and they lost all their strength, you know, and punching out that little thing for for uh bush and they just didn't they really wanted to choose gore and they just didn't have the strength and so they dimpled it so you know it's ambiguous so we can yeah it was anyway so <laughs> anyway the uh, you know, florida court supreme court got involved the u.s supreme court got involved which really didn't say much other than um florida court was you know really anyway kind of going against their own constitution whatever and anyway it, it took it took like uh it took like five weeks to you know sort things out to where and even then one of the electors abstained from voting and anyway so that was just 20 years ago nothing new under the sun it goes on both sides of the aisles you know it's yeah it is what it is so I mean, that's all I wanted to say about that. Just uh, not as a reason to say, "Ha, ah, your side too," or whatever. It, it just say, "Hey, this happened to both sides." Don't be, "Oh my gosh, it's so weird. I can't believe he won't concede the election." And why do we? And what is all this? And lawsuits and nothing new under the sun. Well, no, it happened. Next... It happened. You know, it was this thing that drug out for weeks, twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, going back to. I'm proud to be an American, um, where at least I know I'm free. Everybody, <clears throat> my my voice. I need I need something. Uh, anyway, um, uh, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember what it was? No. All right. But well. what I will say is is that it really has to do with who who's your who are you going to serve, right? Yeah. I mean, and and are you willing to pay the cost? You know, because look, I've been covering the gay agenda just as an example for a long time. And I'm going to tell you that once Joe Biden gets becomes president, all that stuff's going to be in our face a lot more. And um, the what I what I was going to say earlier was I think it was in the Talmud. I have to check that for sure, but I think it was in the Talmud that talked about in the days of Noah that gay marriage was a part of that culture, and God came and He. Yeah, I was I was doing some research on that. A Babylonian Talmud. Talmud. Okay. The Babylonian, not the Jerusalem Talmud, but yeah, the Babylonian Talmud. And Second Enoch says something about it, but you know, mm. there's some debate debate on whether Second Enoch is obviously not obviously not authored by Enoch, but yeah, you know, the, the data, whatever. And so, anyway, but yeah. Well, anyway, talking about God's judgment, okay, if we love God and God loves us, and he does, and he's calling us to repent if this is really what we're doing. As I stated a couple days ago, if Trump won, my concern was that the church would go back to sleep. Yeah. So even if this, you know, if this is fraud, I personally think it is, but, you know, I'm trying to be gracious here. But there's been fraud and 
probably every presidential sure, election. Probably. We, we so, know. I'm so at we'll least going the, back to 1960. So we're going so to deal and, and just be gracious and say, okay, Joe Biden may be our new president. You know, it's not official yet, but it's, it looks like it might be. Okay. So you as a Christian, what's your job now? Your job is to pray for that guy. Yeah, it is. And the Bible says that if you pray for those in authority, he will you will live in peace, basically. Well, that's the intent there are prayers that we might lead, live quiet and peaceable, peaceful lives. Right. Why, why sh and why does God want us to live quiet and peaceful lives? Because he desires all men to be saved. And it's, we get that all in context. Right. It's, um, what you say. yeah, it's, anyway. So the point is, is that now is the time for you to put a circle around yourself and repent? Mm -hmm. And I and I'm and I'm kind of making fun of that whole thing. Sorry, I shouldn't do that. But I am being serious when I say it's time for you to live a holy life. And and I that doesn't mean perfect. It means you're set apart as God's ambassador. So your deportment needs to be loving, like Jesus loved. Now, there's a lot more we could talk about because, you know, there's a lot more that we could talk about. But my encouragement to you in all seriousness is don't let your emotions be manipulated by the media and saturate yourself in God's word and realize who you serve, who, who called you out of the domain of darkness into his glorious light. Like I said, I had a friend... Uh, I love her, but you know, she sent me this message, Democrats are of the devil and all that. And I'm, and I said, I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that. I believe that they're well-meaning just like many Republicans are. And I think that we have to be really careful about attributing certain motives to other people. God knows the heart. You don't. We know fruit. We could judge fruit, right? But... I think most people want to live in peace. Um, and I just think America is set up in such a unique way that, you know, if the powers that be can win by manipulating you and provoking you to do things, then, then they get, they have all that power. As a retired therapist, uh, one of my skill sets is conflict resolution and identifying um, how people communicate you know, and, and assumption and, um, what's the word? Um, people think that they're good mind readers. Yeah, they do. <laughs> no, eh, we can't read people's minds, you know, we, but we can read the word of God and we could see God's heart and his love for people. And that's our job. And we need to get back to our first love. You know, maybe it's because I'm studying Revelation, um, but you know, I think it was the church of Ephesus that Jesus rebuked and said, Hey, you did all these good things. You're good with theology and you exposed this, this, and this, but you, you left your first love. And I would say that a lot of the church has left her first love, which is, Hey, you know what? How about you spend some time with God? You know, how about you shut off that TV set people, Ugh. you know, open up the Bible and read it. I know it's tough because everything in you wants to like go, Oh, I want to look on the internet. I want to go to Facebook. I want to 
look on my phone. I want to play fishdom. I want to eat chocolate. I want to do a whole bunch of stuff, except I don't want to read God's word because it's so confusing to me and all that. But that's where your spiritual being, that's where your inner man is strengthened when you're there chowing down on the word, right? How'd you like that, huh? And I know one of the things I was going to say, I was talking about one of, one of the most amazing things about God is that he provided manna from heaven to a grumbling bunch of Israelites. Yep. And they're like, hey, I've had too much of this bread and stuff. I want some meat. <laughs> so God gives them some meat at some point. God's so nice. <laughs> he really is. I mean, if you if you think about how nice God is, it can really make you feel stupid when you really think about why you would even get mad at God because he's so nice. Um, he's good. Um, and I think this is a good thing for the church. If if we're willing to be disciplined and we're willing to, to take the chastisement and say, okay, Father, look, yeah, we get it. You know what? Maybe we've blown it. Maybe we've been a carnal church. Maybe we need now to bow and, and let you you be our God. You know, I mean, God knows this, though. I mean, in America, politics is, is um, secular. That's not the right word. Cyclical. Well, anyway, in, in America, it goes from Democrat to Republican, Democrat, Republican, blah, blah. You know, goes left, right. So this is nothing news. Maybe it's because I'm older and I'm not shocked by it. We got through the Clinton years. We got through the Bush years. We got through the Obama years. We got through some Trump years. Can we get through Biden years or Harris years if it turns out that he dies all of a sudden and she becomes our president? (laughs) I think so. You know, but here's the other thing. Don't forget, God isn't. You know, he hasn't forgot his promises. Nope. You know, the rapture is still possible. Um, and we have a lot to do, man. We have to get our focus off the temporal and put our focus on the eternal so that we can share Jesus Christ with people because pe- people have lost hope. And I'm going to tell you something. I've said this before. A lot of the people right now who are feeling a loss of hope and despondent and despaired and angry, and I know a lot of you because you're. Lo- I love you all, and I see your messages. I see your Facebook. I see your upside-down flag on your Facebook page. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it, and I love that about you. But don't forget Christ. Don't forget that he loves you, and he loves America. He loves, he loves us, and he perfect love casts out all fear. And I, I've had this, I've had to deal with that because I struggle with fear, right? Especially health anxiety. I hate that. But God's, God's love is perfect and that casts out all fear. Everything's going to be okay. I played that song last night. Everything is going to be okay. This is just temporary. It's temporary. And honestly, most of your lives are not even even going to be impacted by it. You know, but where I want your life to be impacted is I want your life to be impacted on a daily basis because I want you to fall in love with Jesus. 
I want you to walk closer to Jesus. In John, in uh, James four, James chapter four, verse eight, one of my favorite verses. It says, James said, "Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you." And then he goes on to say, "Cleanse your hands, you filthy sinners. Weep, and be miserable." <laughs> Why? Because he wants you to repent. He wants to purify you. He wants to use you for his glory. And here's the thing. When was the last time you had the joy of leading somebody to Christ and seeing their life flipped and changed upside down? You know, when? When was the last time some believer came to you and shared the gospel with you because they didn't know you were a Christian? Because there was no evidence that proved it in your life. And I don't mean to be mean there, but you know, just saying, you know, sometimes that's the case. Uh, if we're Christians, the number one thing in our life is Jesus Christ. Cause he's, he's, he's the one that made us a Christian, first of all, but he loves us. <laughs> and I, you know, maybe it's because I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I can tell you, I remember I was being abused pretty bad. I mean, I'm just, you know, I don't, I'm not a whiner and I don't like the, I'm, you know, I don't share this because I need any empathy or sympathy or anything, but I, my, my abuser was going to get 25 years in prison. Okay. That's a lot of years for crimes against me. Right. As, especially as an adult, as a child, I didn't even appreciate that. As an adult, I look back though and go, wow, my uncle would have gotten 25 years in prison if my mother hadn't interfered with that. Instead, he got off because my mother forced me to recant the truth, which the cops knew. Fortunately, many years later, I got awarded $10,000 from the state of California for being a victim of numerous crimes. So they compensated me and validated my, my abuse and, and validated me as the truth teller. But I look and I, got, I look at my life growing up, man. My mom was married three times. My dad was married four there was alcoholism, there was pornography abuse, there was incest, there was, there was lots of other stuff. All that in my family of origin. All designed to destroy a family. And frankly, I was targeted from being a child on up. If my friend Gail had not come to me in high school when I was taking a choir class and shared the gospel with me, if, if she just was there and, and did what we did when we were in choir, when we warmed up and said, la, 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 you know, let's sing this, you know, the hills are alive with the sound of music. I mean, that was literally one of the songs, uh, somewhere over the rainbow. I mean, we sang all these songs in choir, but Gail wanted to be my friend. And so we started going out to lunch together. We would go out to the front of the high school. I'd sit there on the bench and we'd have our sack lunches and she would tell me about Jesus. She sat there and she told me that Jesus loved me. And I was listening to her and she kept asking me, do you really want to hear this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I totally want to hear this. I want to hear this about this Jesus guy. And eventually she asked me if I had a Bible and I said, no. But I'll go home. I'll ask my mom if I, if she has one. I went home, asked my mom. She got really ticked off. No, I don't have a Bible. So I went back to Gail and I said, you know, 
my mom won't let me have a Bible. Well, Gail lived with her grandma. And so Gail's like, you need a Bible. So she went to her grandmother. And back in the day, way back in the 80s, there were these living Bibles with the, the thick, puffy green covers on them, kind of like the olive green. Um, and Gail um, told me one day, she said, my grandma agreed to give you a Bible. Um, when can I give it to you? And so we planned to meet before school in the library. And I'll never forget it because I can still see it in my mind's eye. I walked into the library that day. I sat in one of those cubby desks and my friend Gail came over to me and she said, I have it for you. And I said, you do? And she said, yeah. And she pulls out this living Bible and um, I looked at it and I took it and she goes, I got to read you something first. And I said, okay. And so she opened, she opened it up to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and she read those verses to me. Those were the very first Bible verses I ever heard. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. And then I took it, took the Bible, and I went home. And I could not stop reading this book. You know, literally within probably a week of me getting this Bible. And I didn't pray any particular prayer either. You know, Gail didn't go, hey, pray this little prayer or whatever. She just said, you just believe that God loves you. And I did. I believed. I don't even know my actual conversion day. I wish I did, but I don't. And to make a very long story short, probably within a week of that prayer, all of a sudden the neighbors next door to my to where I lived, they moved out. And this Filipino family moved in that just happened to have a kid my age and a kid my brother's age. And they just happened to be Christians, just happened to be. So they came and they, they befriended my mom. And of course, because they had, ch there was children, there was me and, and these other, Jerry and Henry, um, and another girl, um, whose name right now, Nova, Jerry, Henry, and Nova, who were my neighbors and August and Violet were the parents. And August and Violet came over and they, they started talking to my mom. And they knew right away how hostile my mother was to the gospel. But they said, hey, can we take your kids to church? Would that be okay? And my mom was like, eh, I don't know. You can take my son, but not my daughter because she really wants to go. So she would let my brother go and she would ground me. She, she would not let me go to church. And then... The people at church found this out, and so they started praying that my mom would let me go. So eventually my mom caved and let it, and started letting me go. And I remember when I went to the youth group for the very first time, there was this guy named Bill who was uh, sitting there on a Wednesday night, and here I had been reading the Bible, and I had been, like, reading it and going, oh, this is so great. This is the greatest book ever. I get to this Bible study, and it was not a Bible study. The people in this group were kids, and they were playing some stupid game, and I'm like hey, I want to learn the Bible. Come on, people, you know? And I was just like, I was so disappointed at first. But then I began to get connected. And eventually, um, my mom tolerated me going to church. And it was all that happened prior to me exposing my uncle. And it was, it was that, that God did all that good stuff for me. And then 
I was able to go, guess what's going on at my house and how I'm being abused. And God revealed that and he delivered me from that. He delivered me from so much more severe abuse that you wouldn't even imagine. Let me just put it this way. If the internet had been around in the 80s, I probably would be all over it on sex sites. Okay. That's the reality. They had, the cops had gotten so much pornography that my uncle put out with me and the crap that he had done um, that God spared me from that permanent shame of stuff like that that could really destroy a person. And my mom had done everything in, in her power to destroy me in every possible way. Well, God's word is so good and God is so good that he laid on the heart of Stephen Rusty and Lord, and Mrs. Cardine to start a Christian club on campus where I went to high school. Mrs. Cardine, charismatic Catholic lady. Stephen Rusty, volunteers with Campus Crusade for Christ. They came in, and when I couldn't go to church, me, Gail, Steve, Mrs. Cardine, and Rusty were sitting there reading the Bible. And I was learning the Bible at school, in a public school, because God is so good. Because God rocks, man. By the end of my senior year, there was like 40 people in that, in that club. And you know what's amazing to me about that is that one of those kids is now a pastor. He's been a pastor for many years. I'm still connected to many of my friends during that time. Um, and God has done some pretty amazing things with some of the great people that I knew way back in high school and in, in the 80s. Why do I share all this? Because God is good. And we need to remember how good he is and, and the kindness that led us to repentance and the way that he once drew you. And, you know, what's interesting is that, that Gail gave me this handwritten letter from God. And I know I have it somewhere. I don't know where, though. It's probably in my garage somewhere. But there was this handwritten letter that said something like, um, uh, and, and, you know, obviously it wasn't really written by God, but it was, it was a letter that basically said something to the effect of, Hey, I want to, uh, I want to get up and meet you early in the morning. Cause I love you. And I want to talk to you. And I did. And then eventually I had to get baptized cause I, I had to learn to understand what that meant. My mom wouldn't let me get baptized either. For years, she wouldn't let me get baptized because I was baptized as a baby. And she was just like, no, you're not going to get baptized. And eventually that did happen. She didn't come to it. Uh, in fact, she got married the day I got baptized. She got married to her third husband in Las Vegas. Yep, she left me to get baptized by myself. And I went and I went to this church, got baptized. And I remember going down, fully immersed, came up. Water was freezing cold. The minute I got down there, it was so warm. And then I was raised to walk in newness of life. After that, I had put in motion, after I got my first job at uh, Castle Park Golf and Fun, uh, doing the ticket booth and stuff, I saved up enough money to move out on my own when I was 18. And I worked for Toyota for three years. And then God called me to work for Focus on the Family. And Focus on the Family paid me $3 less an hour than Toyota did. So I had to get a roommate. 
And in all of that, God worked through all of that. And then time passed, certain things happened. I ended up in therapy. I was awarded $10,000 for being a victim of all these sex crimes I told you about. I eventually met Randall. Um, and Randall and I began to date. And the last 30 years of my life, Randall has been in my life. God is so good. God is so good. He is with you. You have to remember that. And there's nothing that will ever separate you from his love, ever. Right? God is so good. And, you know, we, we can say that like, oh, God is so good, la, 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 you know. But yes, he's so good. Because my path could have led to, to a completely different outcome. A lot of women, a lot of girls in my situation go down the prostitution route. They go down the drug addiction route. They go down the suicide route. Do you think I'm ignorant of that? I'm not. God stepped in and he saved me from what could have been worse. And do you know what? You know why? And I think because the enemy, he wants to come and kill you. He wants to come and destroy you. And so let me just encourage you and tell you something. If you are constantly under attack and the enemy is trying to derail you from something, it might be because God has ordained something great for you. It might be that God has given you a mission to share his word and encouragement and hope with the world. I look through my life and I think, wow, my mom came against me. I prayed for her for 20 years to come to Jesus. She finally did. She died. On her deathbed, I told my mother, you know, mom, I'm going to share with the world someday your testimony and how, how you came to him. That was in 19, what year was that? That was in 2001. 2001. She died in 2000. Was it 2001? 2002. 2002. 2002 she died. It was in 2002. The internet wasn't around in 2002 like it is today. This show wasn't even remotely in my head during that time. I had just started grad school and was studying to become a marriage and family therapist. And then my mom got cancer. She came to Christ. She died. And then my life went like this. It just changed radically for the good. I believe God taking my mom out of my life in my early 30s was his severe mercy on her and big blessing on me because 18 years later, I'm talking to you and I'm telling you the story that God is good. So this thing with Joe Biden, whatever. Focus on the mission God has you on and focus on who you can make, a dis who, who can be, you know, a disciple who can you disciple? Who can you share the gospel with? You know, who, who are, you know, Gail was who led me to Christ. Who led you to Christ? And who are you going to lead to Christ? I mean, obviously God leads everybody to himself, but you know what I'm saying, right? Let's make that the focus. Because you know what? Hey, 
there's souls being counted every day. Hell, heaven, hell, heaven, hell, 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 heaven, 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 hell, 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 heaven, heaven, hell, hell, hell. We want God to win this one, don't we? Yeah, we do. So that's my encouragement for what it's worth. I hope it's encouraged you. Randall, do you have anything else to say? Well, not tonight. Okay. Well, so let's pray and thank God for what he's doing. Lord, you're a good God. And I thank you, Father, that whatever you're doing here in America, I pray that you would use this to draw people to yourself and that this would be a time of refining for your body, that you would reevaluate our our minds, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. And that ultimately, Lord, uh, you would use this for your glory. Um, Father, I pray for your perfect will to be done. We ask that you would expose any evil or any plot that might be there if, if this is uh, a situation that's not true. If it is true, if everything's legit, Lord, we, we just pray for your perfect will to be done. And I thank you because it will be. Because <laughs> you know what? It doesn't matter if America's great again. What matters is that we worship you because you're great. And we love you. And thank you for the opportunity to declare your truth throughout the world tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, people, we have an opportunity now to be bold, stand up, and go with God. Because he loves you. Don't you ever forget that. Wow.